0: Good morning. Welcome, everybody. So glad to see you all. My name is Justin Womack. I'm the worship leader here at Stafford County Christian Church, and we have a fun filled morning ahead of us. Travis has given me some time limits for his sermon, so we'll see how well he sticks to that this week. Uh, but we're going to dedicate some babies. It's going to be lovely. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so I'm going to say a prayer for us. Oh, if you're brand new, we welcome you. We're so glad you chose to spend some time with us. Make sure you stop by uh, the welcome desk, which is right out front there. We should have a lovely gift for you. But uh, again, I'm going to say a prayer, and then we're going get, to get started this morning. So please bow with me. Dear God, thank you so much for another uh, glorious day, Lord. Uh, we're just uh, so grateful uh, to be able to uh, come here every week, Lord. Uh, whether it be uh, present or online, God, that we could just... Uh, spend some time with our family here, Lord, uh, singing your praises, receiving your word. Uh, God, I just pray that you bless this time, Lord, uh, that uh, we would just uh, prepare to worship you and receive uh, all that you have for us this morning. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. All right, please rise with us as we begin in our worship this morning. Lord, for this morning, just pray that you bless Travis as he brings us the word Uh, in your Son Jesus' precious name. We pray, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. morning. So we
1: have a little bit different uh, setup this morning. Uh, We are doing our baby dedication, as uh, Justin already said. So we're doing our baby dedication, and then we're going to do more worship, and then we're going to do more sermon. And I promise, (laughs) same time though. I promise. Um, but then uh, at the very end we're gonna have all of our graduates come up and we're gonna pray over them and it's gonna be uh, just an awesome awesome time so we are going to be in uh, Mark chapter 10 this morning if you have your Bibles I want you to go ahead and turn there get ready to, to, to dig into Mark chapter 10 just a couple of quick announcements uh, VBS is coming up we're about a month away from Vacation Bible School so if you have preschool through uh, fifth grade, I encourage you to make sure you go to the website, you can go to Facebook, uh, and and you can get signed up for that. We would love to have uh, your little ones signed up to be a part of our Vacation Bible School. And uh, we have some awesome activities and plans as we move forward uh, into uh, the summer and into the fall, Uh, so please keep that in mind as well. So how many of you have ever just been starstruck? You, you, you've met someone. You've been to a concert. You've you know something has happened. You're just like oh wow, and, and you forget what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, like that has happened to me in, in the past, and, and truly just an awesome thing. I remember being a youth and, and getting to go backstage and meeting the newsboys. Now I'm not talking newsboys from like now, I'm talking when they were popular and they were like, we're going 25 plus years ago, it was awesome when when you could crowd surf and all of that and I got to go backstage and meet them and then I had to go on stage to actually preach a sermon in front of all of the youth, that was amazing and scary all at the same time, it wasn't scary to actually go on stage, it was more that I got to meet the newsboys, because, oh my goodness, they were amazing. And, and, and I just remember those times. And, and so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of, of moments, that, two awkward moments in, in, in time that we go, wow. And, and it was a time when celebration was supposed to be happening and, and things were amazing uh, for these children coming before Jesus. But here's the thing, um, they, the disciples missed it. And and, and Jesus has really focused in on that several times. So so Jesus and his disciples, I have a map. I want to show this to you. Hopefully you can see this. If not, I'll send it out to everyone. It kind of gives you an idea of of where we're at. At the very top, there's the the deep blue uh, that that is the Sea of Galilee. um, And there's the Galilee region. There's the Decapolis that we've talked about. And, And then we have that mustard, deep mustard color. It's called Judea. And down in that area is where Jesus is now going to take the people. So they've been up around the Sea of Galilee. They were actually at the far north side there. It Actually, there's a little arrow arrow that says Caesarea Philippi, all the way up at the very top. And so Jesus had been up there. He had traveled back down to the Sea of Galilee. He's been talking with the disciples. He's had children around him this entire time. And now Jesus needs to get away again. And so Jesus is going to take the disciples. Remember, he he has talked to them about the fact that he has to go to Jerusalem. He's talking about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem to die for our sins. And we talked last week that many people completely missed what was happening. Well, now he's going to go down into the area of Judea. The Dead Sea is down there. It is a desert desolate type of a place and so he's going to travel down into this area and he's going to talk about family he's going to be talking again about um, children and all of this so he's left Peter's home he's went down into the area uh, of um, the the area of Judea and as we look at this he's traveled about a hundred miles on foot Um, and this is a long journey that he's been able to teach the disciples as he's went down there. So, I want you to turn with me to to Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. And we're going to see Jesus demonstrating four attitudes and actions towards children. So, the first one is, Jesus says that, or we need to see, Mark's going to see that we need to bring children, oh, youth, you guys can go to your class, sorry. Bye. So... Oops, I forget that from time to time. So, um, bring your children to Jesus. Look at verse 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Now the idea is that they're continuously bringing the children to Jesus. He can't go anywhere without the people, the crowds, gathering around. But not only that, the children are being brought to Jesus. And we talked about that last week, that they, they... that really wasn't what the case was in that time the children and the word servant were the same exact thing okay and here jesus wants the children to come to him and so we need to do so as we're growing we need to connect our children with jesus parents grandparents aunts uncles next-door neighbors Tell the children about Jesus. Bring them with you to Jesus. Pray for them every day. Read the Bible to them. Bring them to church. Allow them to be active and involved in our preschool program, in our kids program, in our move program. Bring them in. And here's the thing. Here's the key. If you want your children to be involved, you need to be involved as well. You have to set the example for your children. You have to be the ones that are here and active and involved. Because if you're not, they're going to go, well, why should I go? I go because mom and dad aren't going. Well, because you're supposed to. Children, see right through that. Okay, we need to set the example. We need to be involved in, in life groups. We need to be involved in, in Bible study, in, in women's ministry, in, in men's ministry. We need to be active and involved. If we want our children to do missions, then we need to do missions. If we want them to be disciples, then then we need to be disciples. We need to grow. If we want our children to grow, we have to grow. Okay, so first, number one, bring our children to Jesus. Number two, beware of attitudes that hinder children. I, I want you to pick this up in the last part of verse 13 and then into verse 14. And the disciples rebuked them. They rebuked the parents and the children. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them let the children come to me do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God Jesus has already said when they were around the Sea of Galilee he's already said do not hinder the children and it would be it would be worse for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown in the Sea of Galilee than to hinder one of these children okay so he is making it clear children are important our youth are are important to the kingdom of god our children our youth they're not the future of the church they're the now of the church because if we don't give the church to them today we won't have a church in the future so we have to make sure that we are always giving to them and and that we're not hindering them from coming And, and what does jesus do he rebukes The disciples. Seems like that's happening a lot, right? Like these guys that were supposed to be closest to Jesus, who should have gotten it, they missed it. And they miss it over and over and over again. The word here is quite strong, and it means to sharply punish. He rebuked them. He yelled at them. He put them down. We've talked about doing it in private in the past. In this moment, he says, stop it. Get get out of the way and let these children come to me. The disciples didn't want Jesus to be bothered by kids. They, They didn't want to be bothered by anything that was happening. He was indignant. Jesus was indignant. It means that he was sorely vexed with great anger. The disciples wanted to stop this from happening. But Jesus says, don't hinder the children. Let them come to me. Here's the thing. Never forget this, children matter to Jesus. This church belongs to our children just as much as it does us. Number three, become like children. If you want to receive the kingdom of God, become like a child. Once again, Jesus uses children to teach us adults about spiritual truth. Look at verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter into it. We have to become like children. Now, this is not, and I'm going to talk about this probably next week on on Father's Day, um, this isn't us as men going, well, I'm my wife's biggest child. That's different, okay? That's completely different than what we're talking about here in this. It means that we need to come to God as a child. what What does that look like? Children are dependent. Children are powerless children are trusting they're curious they want to know and and if we continue to push them away eventually they'll go never mind we want them to be dependent and and jesus wants us to be dependent on him we try and we're going to talk about this in the second half of the message this is very important for us to understand because we're going to look at the rich young ruler and and what happens and, and transpires in in his life he was not dependent Or wanting to be dependent on Jesus. He wanted to be dependent on what he had of his own. So if you want to be a child of God, become like a child of God. And then number four, bless children warmly. Bless children warmly. Jesus was asked by the parents to touch their children. And he does much more than that. He doesn't just go, oh bless your little heart. Okay, He doesn't just touch them on the shoulder. He doesn't pat them on the back and go, okay, go back to your parents. No, look at verse 16. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This literally means that he grabbed them up and gave them a bear hug. He picked up these children and he loved them. He didn't just go, oh, go back to your parents now. And and he touches them on their little head and he he, he shakes their hair. No, he grabbed them and he held them. And that's so important for us to understand. He folded his arms around them. The word for blessed here as well, it's a strong compound phrase that's used only here. And it means fervently blessed repeatedly. Something that happened over and over and over again. You see, Jesus is warm and affectionate, affectionate towards children. And we must do the same very important for us to see. You know, as a church, we believe that children are are a gift from God. As a church family, I want you to know that we are committed to partner with parents, to evangelizing and discipling the sons and daughters to be difference makers for Christ, and that's what we're going to do at this very moment. One of the ways that we do that is by doing a baby dedication. So I know we have several parents that are going to come forward with their children. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and to come up on stage with me, please. And as they come up, um, this is a part of the service that we want to make sure that you are a part of as well. So... awesome we have one more that was not able to be here but we did a virtual one so um we also have i think a picture there we go we have steven and erica and, and drew on the screen behind us i went and virtually did their baby dedication with them Um, But today is a very special day for Stephen and Erica, for Vanessa, Dusty and Rachel, and for Tyler and, and Caitlin, who are dedicating their little ones to the Lord. What could happen if we dedicated our children to God and we gave them over to Jesus? What difference could truly be made? We could have more amazing people who are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our children are precious to us. And we have to understand that we've only been given in their young age a short window to, be, uh, to, to have influence and affect them to become lovers of Jesus Christ. Deuteronomy chapter six, verses four through seven says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up so parents do you parents of these little ones dedicate yourselves to providing an atmosphere of reverence for god in your family a spirit of dependence on god in all things great and small and a consistent exposure of your family to the Word of God? If so, say, yes we, yes, we do. And do you dedicate yourselves to providing Drew, Grayson, Sloan, Charlotte, and David Raymond with daily assurance of both your love and uh, both your love for the Heavenly Father's love for them? If so, say, yes we, yes, we do. Do you dedicate yourselves to providing Drew, Grayson, Sloan, Charlotte, David Raymond with daily assurance of both your love for the heavenly father and for your love of them if so say yes we do, yes, we do. I did that one twice cuz I wanted to make sure that you remembered it <laughs> and will you pray for Drew Grayson Sloane Charlotte David and striving to bring yourself up in the way of the lord so that in the fullness of time they will confess further of their own free will that Jesus Christ is the lord and savior of their life if so say yes we will do you now unreservedly dedicate Drew, Grayson, Sloan, Charlotte, David, Raymond to God and promise an humble reliance upon his grace to set a godly example for them? If so, say yes we do with God's help. With that, I, I remind you that again, that God has graciously given you these children. They belong to you, but in a greater way, they belong to God. You as parents are to raise them physically, emotionally, but spiritually as well. The church of Jesus Christ, your family that is behind me and in front of you, they stand nearby to assist you, to help you in any way that they can, to properly teach these children to live life to the fullest. It is God's plan that in the home and church that we will unite We will unite forces to train the children so that they can be accountable one day for their own actions and that they will personally accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you so very much for these parents. I thank you for these young ones that you have given to them, Lord, that they will raise them in such an amazing way. And Father, I ask that you help them to see their family that is in front of them. Father, that they will see that they have support with them every step of the way. Whether that be physical, whether that be financial, whether that be emotional, and most importantly, that be spiritual help. Father, that you will help them to raise these children up. That they remember that that they have given this short time. Lord, that, that you will help them to see everything that they have in front of them is from you as their savior father that we will be a family surrounding them and supporting them we pray this in your son's most holy and precious name jesus christ amen okay. please stay in your worship We're still in Mark chapter ten, and at this moment, um, Jesus announces that kids are the winners, and everybody goes, "You sure?" Like nobody really expected that to happen. A- and then we're going to have another young man that's going to come on the scene. And, and and when we dig into this, uh, we're in Mark chapter ten, starting in verse seventeen. Jesus is going to start out on a journey again. So now. He's continuing to work his way. He's been down in the area of Judea. He's going to work his way up into Jerusalem. And as he works his way into Jerusalem, as he gets ready to start out on his journey, all the children have started to disperse. And all of a sudden, this young man just comes running onto the scene. And this is what we read. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, Matthew uses the word behold, meaning he wants to get our attention that something is going to happen. And and as we look at this young man, as we look at all of the scriptures, we look at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, we get a picture of who this rich young ruler, young man really is. Number one, we realize that he had great wealth. We know that from verse 22 because it says that he had great wealth possessions. Luke 18, 23 uh, adds that he had great wealth, meaning that he was extremely affluent with an abundance of possessions. That's going to come to play as we work our way through this section. He was also young. Matthew chapter 19, verse 22, uh, calls him a young man, probably in his 20s or 30s, probably closer to his 30s at this point, to accumulate the wealth that he has we also find out that he's kind of powerful. Luke 18, 18 calls him a ruler. Now, the word was used of a synagogue leader, a member of the Sanhedrin, like the Jewish Supreme Court or the Senate would be kind of what this was all about. Okay, so he was, he was powerful. So he comes up to Jesus. We, we know that he is, he is wealthy, he is young, he is powerful. He's also respectful. When he looks at Jesus... He comes up and he says, he calls him good teacher. Now we're going to dig into that here in just a second. But he was respectful of who he was. He knelt down as well. So he comes to Jesus. He's a powerful man, yet he still kneels before Jesus. He's also unsatisfied. Even though it seemed like he had everything. We talked about this last week. There's always this this hole inside of us that we try to fill it with a lot of stuff. Whether we're a Christian, especially when we're non-Christians, we try to fill that void and that hole inside of our life with something that is only can, can be filled with God, with the Holy Spirit. And, and so we try to fill it with a bunch of other stuff. And, and this young man, he has all the power that he needs and, and wants. He has all kinds of possessions. He's still young. He, he has his whole life in front of him, yet he's unsatisfied w- with what he has. His religion that he is following is graceless. It's just a religion. It's performance oriented, and so he says, "Hey, what must I do to inherit this eternal life that you? I hear you talking so much about." And number seven, um, he is determined. He he is willing to do whatever it takes to have this eternal life. Like that's what we see out of him. He continually is hounding Jesus. It is the message that's being delivered here. I mean, it's really quite a picture, isn't it? I I mean, this loaded leader comes running up to Jesus. He's just a a peasant preacher from the area of Galilee. He's wearing the finest of robes, no doubt, immaculately groomed. He's kneeling in the dirt, though. He's on the edge of town as Jesus is ready to, to head out, and he has a burning question inside of him. He needs to have this question answered. All of his life, he has been taught that all he had to do is be good enough to do good things in order to be saved. But something was bothering him deep inside. And he starts out by calling Jesus good. And maybe this was about, you know, being reciprocal. Well, hey, hey, good teacher, and he expects Jesus to give a compliment back to him. Hey, what is it, rich young ruler? Like, that's what he was expecting back, and for Jesus to, to, to kneel back down before him, you know, there, there, he had complimented, you know, Jesus, so now he was expecting something back. What he expected out of Jesus, and, and we find this all the time, whatever we're expecting out of Jesus is probably not what we're going to get, right? Like, that's never what actually happens. That's not what transpires coming right back at us, and, and so... We had this awkward moment, there's a lot of awkward moments in in Jesus' ministry, but this is another one of those moments. Look at verse 18. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? But no, Jesus, I asked you something, and, and so you need to come back at me and tell me the answer. Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. I mean, talk about a conversation killer. Like, where do you go from here? The weather's nice outside wow, um, you know, the Jerusalem, I, I don't know what their football team would have been called, you know, like, but, you know, they, they, they would have, you know, uh, uh, anyways, you know, <clears throat> the, the Jerusalem football team, um, his answer must have despri- surprised this, th- this young man, because at first glance, it had no connection to the question that he asked Jesus. Instead of answering the inquiry, Jesus makes the man realize the essence of goodness. And where does that goodness come from? It can only come from good alone. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 34 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. In the definitive sense of the word, Jesus could not be good if he was just a mere mortal man That's where it had to start only God is good and The only good things can come from God. So Jesus could not be good unless what? He was God alone Some liberal commentators uh, they have suggested that this is the one clear occasion where Jesus denies his deity He's not really the deity at all. He's just man in form and that is it Actually, what is Jesus doing? He's basically saying, I am. He's equating himself, in this very moment, he is equating himself with God. Are you prepared to acknowledge who I really am? That's the question Jesus is asking. So if you call me good teacher, do you see that I'm really good in the essence of what good is? And so what he wants, Jesus wants this rich young ruler to see, and here's the thing, He wants all of us to see today, none of us are good. We are not good in this way. Jesus was also making the point that this rich young ruler was not good. Only God is. His concept of good was completely mistaken. It it clouded his perception of Jesus. It clouded his understanding of himself. Until he could see that Jesus was incarnate, God, who demanded his complete allegiance, and until he recognized his own sinfulness, he could not truly find eternal life. Excuse me. He couldn't find what he was searching for. In short, he thought too little of Jesus and thought too highly of himself. He overestimated his goodness and grossly underestimated Jesus' greatness. And that's very important for us to truly see, because I think that happens in today's society as well. We want to overestimate our goodness. But Travis, do you know all the good things that I do in my community? Do you know the things that I do for my church? Do you know, 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 do you know? Do you know Jesus? And, and that's all, ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Jesus says, life is only found in him alone. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what he wants this rich young ruler to see, and he wants each one of us to see as well today. None of us are good enough. In order to bring this man face to face with his sin, Jesus takes him to the second half of the Ten Commandments. Look at verse 19. <clears throat> This second set of commandments deals with our horizontal relationships with with other people, okay? He says, you know the commandments. Number seven, do not murder. Number six, do not commit adultery. Number eight, do not steal. Excuse me. Number nine, do not bear false witness. Number five, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. As Jesus lists the commandments, the man mentally checks them off. Yep, got it good. Got that one. Absolutely. And and so he goes through this whole list, and and in verse 20 he says, and he said to him, teacher, notice one thing. He's already dropped good. Uh, All right, I'm learning. I see it. Okay, Uh, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Unbelievably, he declares that he has kept all of them without fail. Let me point out to you that there's no way he could have perfectly kept all of these commandments, especially in light of what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 21. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone... Who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her and his heart. What does Jesus do? He takes it up a notch. Jesus wants us to truly see it's not just about checking off boxes. Jesus wants us to see it's about a relationship with the Savior. He is God incarnate. He is the only one who is good. He is the only one who is perfect in all of the ways. That's what we just sang about, right? He's a good, good father, perfect in all of your ways. He is the only one that's good, and Jesus is equating himself in that way. Listen, even if he did a pretty good job with the commandments, even if he did a really good job with the commandments, this young man was not satisfied. That's why he came to Jesus. He had no assurance that he would inherit eternal life. And by the way, again, I feel that a lot of people are in that same exact boat today. A lot of people think that they're intrinsically good, or at least better than others. Because, I mean, if I compare myself to the rest of the world, I'm not bad. We look around the room and we go, well, I'm better than that person, I'm definitely better than that person. There's no way that my prayer life is even close to this person's. Oh, but here's the thing. When we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ, we fail every single time. Please never forget that. We have to admit that we're a sinner. And and if you break just one of the commandments, you know what James 2.10 says? whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. We have to keep it perfectly and no one is able to keep the law perfectly. That's why Jesus had to come and had to give his life. Like a good accountant, this young man tabulated his spiritual score and he thinks, I've won. And what does Jesus say? One thing you still lack. Jesus busted him by the very first commandment from Exodus chapter 20, verse three. You shall have no other gods before me. One thing you still lack. The one thing that you're still holding to, Go and sell all of your possessions. Look at verse 21. And Jesus looking at him, I love this. And Jesus looking at him, loved him. And said to him, you lack one thing. Go Sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So let's unpack this verse to see how many things kept him from the one thing. Number one, we see the compassion of Jesus in all of this. Jesus looks at the man and he loves him. In spite of his sins and superficial spirituality. the word for love it means to have a strong affection this man loved his money more than anything else yet jesus still lavished love on him jesus has compassion for this man i'm grateful for romans chapter five verse eight But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus lavishes his love on each one of us. Even when we don't deserve it. Even when we're just a big old mess. Jesus has compassion for this young man and for every single one of us and for everyone that we come in contact with we need to have that same compassion in our lives as well but here's the thing and i love this even when jesus has compassion jesus isn't afraid of confrontation always remember that people love to talk about the grace and the love of jesus and and do you remember when jesus was at the well do you remember when jesus had was 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 with the woman that was caught in adultery oh he he loved her and he set her free and he gave just this free compassion all around but what does jesus do he confronts the sin in their lives and he says to the woman that was caught in adultery he says go and sin no more we leave that part out too many times And that's exactly what we see here. Jesus commands this young man to go and to sell everything that he had. He had treasure in heaven if he would just let everything else go. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that every single one of us has to go and we have to sell all of our possessions and give everything over to the poor? Not necessarily. Maybe he's telling you that. But what I love that Jesus does here in this case and in every other case, and he does it in your life as well, he takes the message and he personalizes it. The message is different from each, for each one of you that are sitting in this room here today. For everyone that's watching online, for everyone that you come in contact with, the sin that you struggle the most with is not the sin that someone else is gonna struggle with. Jesus personalizes that message and we have to hold on to that and we have to remember that and that's the commandment of Jesus as well And then we have the calling of Jesus What is his call? Come and commit Come and commit That's what we've been called to do listen Jesus loves you He gave his life for you and because he loves you he knows that something is still lacking in your life and he he wants you to give that over to him the ultimate thing that that we lack in our lives is the Lord the thing that the world lacks in their lives is they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior the one thing that makes us spiritually okay is Jesus And we have to hold on to that. You know, it was common belief during that time that they had to do something in order to receive salvation. Again, it's popular today. Well, if I do enough good deeds, God can't leave me out. If he's this all-loving God, he couldn't possibly send me to hell because I've given money to the poor and I, I, I've sent money overseas and I, I helped New Orleans and I helped with the disaster after the hurricane and I helped with, with the relief after the tornado that went through and, and I, I did this and I gave this, but did you give your life over to Jesus Christ? Ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Jesus is asking for your full surrender. So what is it that you're holding on to right now? Is it money? Is it a relationship? Is it your time? Could it be a bad habit that you secretly enjoy that you don't really want to give up? This one thing you lack, Jesus says, let it go and come and follow me. That's what it ultimately comes down to. I have a story that I want to share with you, and um, basically it's it's more of a, you know, something that you would watch on the animal planet. Hunters, when they would want to catch monkeys, what they would do is they would hollow out a gourd, and, and they would take an orange, and they would shove it down into the gourd, and they would make the opening just small enough for the monkey to get its hand into it. And it would grab a hold of the orange, and it wanted that orange out well the monkey had a choice it could stay and be caught and hold on to the orange or it could let it go what do we need to do today are we holding on to this world are we holding on because here's the thing the devil's coming for us and if you don't know Jesus he's got you What we need to do is let go of the world. Let go of the orange, whatever that is in your life. Let it go and allow Jesus to set you free. That's what it comes down. I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up with the end of this story of this rich young ruler. I want you to look at verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, He went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He couldn't let it go. He couldn't let the orange go to be set free. The man was looking for a due religion, but what we need to understand is that we have a relationship with the dunn it's been done for us we have been set free because of our lord and savior jesus christ all we have to do is accept the free will the free gift of jesus it's up to us to choose so this morning we're gonna partake of communion if you haven't received communion, it's on the back too or on the sides and i encourage you to you can get up and get it if you haven't gotten it yet I'm gonna pray for us and during this time I want you just to if there's something you've got to give up to God you've got to give it over I want you to know that you can make that commitment I want you to give it up to God I want you to let it go I want you to surrender whatever it is in your life Jesus wants you to be set free. But it's up to us what we do with it. And while we sing one final song here and we have our graduates come forward at the end of that song, I'm gonna be in the back. And if you need to talk with somebody to to, to get it off your chest, here's the greatest thing, and I wanna make sure that you always know this. You don't have to come to me or anyone else on the staff or one of the elders to go straight to the source. Jesus loves you, and he is our person that is between us and God. But if you need someone to talk to, to to work it out, we're here for you, to help you. We'll listen. We'll pray with you. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you're like, what's that even look like? What's that mean? I'm going to be in the back. I would love to talk to you about that. And if you say, hey, I want to serve right here at Stafford County Christian Church. I want to be a member. I want to be a part of the family, the great things that are happening. You can make that decision as well. Whatever decision you make, I want you to know that you can make it. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to stand, and we're going to sing one final song. Let's pray. Almighty Father, I thank you for the gift of your son. Father, I thank you so much that you have allowed us to worship you. You have allowed us to come into your house to see these babies be dedicated. Father, that that we get to see, we get to witness our graduates coming forward and and see the, the great things that they're going to do in their future. And Father, if there is anyone here who has never accepted you as their Lord and Savior, that they will know that they can make that decision today, that they can be set free of their sin. Father, don't let anything hold them back. And Father, as we partake of communion, we remember what these emblems represent. They represent your body and and your blood that was shed for each one of us. it's not about doing it's done we pray this in your son's name
0: Said, if you have a decision to make today, make sure uh, you don't wait. That you make that decision. He's back there, along with elders and Liz, to to be with you. Uh, but as we continue this morning, rise with us as we worship once more.
2: this morning. I know they're all really excited to be up on stage. So, can you guys come on up? I see Marianne. Come on, Allison. Well, um, I, I just want to say how proud I am of these young ladies up here. Um, what are you pointing at? I, it stops. Yeah, you guys come in front of me. You're the important ones today.
3: All right, so um, I just,
2: like I was saying, I'm very proud of these young ladies. I've gotten to watch them uh, grow in their faith. I've gotten to watch them grow as people. And uh, we're really excited for what God has for them in the future. You can see up here on our slideshow uh, kind of what they've done uh, in school, what they've done at the church, and some future plans. We're also going to be putting those up on Facebook for you guys. But uh, what I wanted to do is take a moment as a church, To pray for our young people going off to school and uh, to really send them off with our our love and the love of Jesus. So if you guys would all bow your heads, close your eyes with me, reach your hand forward, extend your hands, and we're going to pray over these uh, these young ladies. Father God, I just thank you so much for giving us a chance to be together and to worship with you. God, I pray that uh, as... These young ladies are going off to school, that, Lord, you would have your hand over them, that, Lord, you would speak to them daily, that, God, as they are trying to find what your uh, what your path is for them, that, God, that they would hear your voice, that they would listen to you in still and small moments, that, Lord, they would be strong in their faith as they're going into these battlefields. Uh, Where faith can be challenged, that, Lord, they would stand strong on what they've learned, and that, God, they would continue to grow in you. Lord, I pray for any other graduates in our church that are not here this morning, that are, are not in the front, that, Lord, again, you would have your hand over them, that, God, you would guide them, that, God, you would speak to them, and that, God, that they would listen. God, I just pray again that uh, they would remember that they have a family, a church family that loves them, that cares for them deeply, and that is going to be praying for them as they are gone. That, Lord, they are not alone in this, that they have you, your spirit, and they have us in your heavenly and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause, guys. All right, you guys can go ahead back to your seats. Um... We are going to dismiss now, so I'm going to say Justin's most famous line. Go and be blessed.